It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who gives a, a mighty fine best man speech, it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. I've always thought I was probably one of the better men, but it's nice to have it fully confirmed. <laughs> You're the, the, the best man. The best of all of the men that have ever been. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of this joke already. It's a really bad joke, Nathan. No, I'm glad you didn't do that one at the wedding. <laughs> all of the ones I did at the wedding were better than that they, one. They, they landed quite well from the video I saw. I think so. I think so. It was really fun to do it. Did you, did you prepare I'm much? I'm make some more close friends. I, I made some notes the day before oh and then God. did two sort of run-throughs. One with my girlfriend, one with my parents. Made some more notes. You kept it short and sweet. That's the thing. Best man speeches, it's the timing is uh, you have to get it just right. I think anything between the five and ten minute mark is absolutely fine. Anything shorter or longer, you're in trouble. The mother of the bride went on and it was sweet. It was very sweet. There was some very sweet things she said in there, but she, the whole thing was written out on cards. So she was reading as she was speaking and it was like a good 10 maybe even 15 minutes long and then my mate the groom spoke just addressed everyone at the table two minutes done nice <laughs> efficient that's it i went to a How wedding you, buddy good thanks I, I went to a wedding where the best man spoke for an hour what oh my goodness what the fuck ironically no he did a, he did a full hour the father of the bride did a good 35 40 minutes and then the best man, people were getting up to go to the toilet it was yeah yeah it was very self-indulgent it was very cliquey it was very in jokes and it was boring yeah it was pretty boring that that's was, a full stand-up comedy set yeah yeah yeah. yeah. it was it but was like, one of the worst i'd ever seen stand-ups only only do like an hour when they're like selling out stadiums they do like a tight five for yeah. the first three years of their professional <laughs> yeah. career right and then when you're when you're really honing your craft you're getting up you're doing 20 minutes and then, but your uh, speech at a wedding, you're going to drone on for an hour. Goodness me. And then I went to a, a wedding in um, Catalonia by the beach. So you, you'd think like it would be like, the best wedding ever. And they did, they, they showed a film. And what? the first two or three minutes of the film was pretty funny as they had actors playing the, the, the bride and groom. But the fact it was in Catalan as well. So a lot of it I didn't understand. But that was a 45 to an hour Oh film. my God. And oh they closed God. the Why bar. are you friends with these people? We sound you horrific. Are, are, why? Yes. Well, <laughs> that question. It was friends of my wife and they were getting married on the beach in Barcelona. So 
like I'm in. I'm already. Even if I don't know you, I'm going. <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> it does well, sound then. great. They closed the bar for it, so no one would be distracted, and you oh, run out of alcohol. God. Luckily, there was um, a Colombian chap on my table who had a, a a secret bottle of spirits in his in his jacket pocket. So he then became my best friend, and because of that, I actually <laughs> invited him to my wedding, despite never having met him before that wedding. <laughs> and we, we we stayed friends with him and his wife. So yeah, it had one upside, but that was those are the two best men's speech I've I've seen. Jeez. Jesus. Mm. Jesus Christ. Though I'm happy to say that Nathan's was was a, a tight, short, six or seven minutes. It, it hit the right notes. It was funny. It was sincere. Very nicely done, mate. Very nicely done. Thank you. And I love the way you um, projected your voice as well. No microphone needed. And that helps, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we are very proud to be partnered with 1882 Fanzine for the next couple of weeks. So 1882, you may have heard us mention this before. It's a new printed Spurs fanzine. And issue two, which came out in May, is now available worldwide. You can get your copy at 1882fanzine.com. So 1882fanzine.com. It's a, a pocket-sized magazine, which is almost more like a book. So, you know, genuinely really useful to take to a game with you, not something you're going to have to worry about creasing or bending or or storing whilst the game's on. The articles are really nice. There's some excellent Spurs writers in there. The design is is classy. It's topical, but it's also nostalgic. So you can dip back in in a few years when um, when times pass by and, and still find something to enjoy. And um, and I would say it's at this point basically a must-have for Spurs fans. I have really enjoyed reading my copies. Um, a theme for the second issue is leaving the lane five years on. So it marks the five-year anniversary of Spurs leaving White Hart Lane. There are articles by um, excellent writers like Dan Kilpatrick, Julie Welsh, Martin Cloak, and they all share memories of, of White Hot Lane. And then on top of that, there are kind of some, some off-topic articles as well, including spooky celebration of Delhi. Uh, and boys, we really enjoy James Harris's piece as well. It, it was a nice piece. I remember when I used to edit all the articles for The Fighting Cock and, and James started to appear. So it's good to see he's, um, he's still writing. It was a lovely piece. Um, although he said the, the the game against United wasn't nerve wracking, I think it I think it was a lot more tension filled than the mm-hmm. than the last North London derby, especially when I think United pulled one back quite late on, and then you just had dream you had that moment that you thought Mourinho was going to ruin our party. But it was it was nice to read that one, and um, yeah, Spooky of course Spooky goes off topic. That's just what Spooky is. And while I'm here, <laughs> I'd like to take this opportunity, despite Twitter rumours out there that I've <laughs> I'm not out to end spooky or flav (laughs) or expressions or um a a chap called george who i'd never heard of before i'm not i'm not plotting some takedown of of major coys um people or social media influencers yeah i'm not doing that so spooky i really liked your article and i really love you my friend if you missed issue one which came out last year you can actually make a saving by getting the issues one and two bundle that is only for um people based in the uk unfortunately but you can still uh, if you live outside the uk you can still buy both issues one and two separately all of the details on the website so issue one was about spurs cult heroes it has uh, alistair gold on robin pavlyuchenko dan kilpatrick on eric lamella and, and many more besides so just to reiterate, you can buy the fanzine from 1882fanzine.com. That's 1882fanzine.com. And you can follow them on Twitter for updates on future fanzines. So at 1882fanzine. Again, it's the numbers followed by fanzine. So get following uh, the guys there. They're doing some fantastic, fantastic work. 
Let's talk a little bit about uh, Spurs' transfer plans. I mean, unusually for Spurs, things are happening early, it seems. So we're expecting this week, so uh, we're at Monday, we're, we're sort of early afternoon on Monday right now. We're expecting this week Spurs to announce Fraser Forster, who we mentioned a little bit in in the live pod last week, and also Perisic, which has kind of kind of come out of nowhere and happened really quickly from the sounds of things. Uh, how are you both feeling about Perisic? <laughs> He's an odd one, right? Mm. Uh, I think most 33-year-olds... I mean, I, I was going to say I would have written him off. I did write him off, right? I did my left wing back scouting live stream. Someone mentioned Perisic. I was like, well, he's incredible, obviously. Um, but he is literally 33. Um, and now it looks like it's going to happen. And I'm not actually <laughs> all that against it in practice. I don't know. Like, obviously, a 33-year-old um, who is an outstanding athlete, at some point, he's going to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um if anything, he sped up last year, right? Oh, really? Um, so, I don't know. It's going to happen at some point soon. It doesn't feel like it's about to be next season, but sometimes these things happen fast. I don't know. I don't mind it as a little... You're, if you're, if the gamble is uh, he can put up like a thousand and a half minutes next season and maybe 500 minutes the season after that, um, I don't think it's such a bad gamble. I, I think the, the odds are pretty good there. And he's an outstanding player. I, I mean, I guess... I guess people know about Perisic. Do people want Perisic explaining to them? Um, I think it might be useful. Um, I think because he has undergone this transformation from a from a winger into a wing back, and there has yes, but like it's not a significant transformation to be honest. He's kind of the same player. I, mean, before, I think, right? I, yeah, I th- he's taken every all the principles that he had before. He's now kind of moved that into a, a wing back. I've I've always been a bit funny about Perisic. I've always been a little bit anti him, just because okay. I just didn't think he. I always thought he flattered to deceive. But then also the concerns about his pace. But then where I, where I've arrived to now is Conte's used um, Doherty in such a way that Doherty can't run, you know. No, but he's no. been able to harness the qualities that Doherty has. And it doesn't matter that he doesn't get up and down the pitch. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, our fastest and most athletic wingback, Region, is perhaps our worst wingback. And I think we, we're looking <laughs> at these fullbacks, wingbacks now, who are a little bit more considered in possession, perhaps. So in that case, getting Perisic, who's good with both feet, can score goals, can cross... It's probably not a bad idea, and as long. But I would like us to sign a youthful fullback to be underneath him to learn from him. I don't think. Yeah, I would like to get a a development option and Perisic. I think if we're going to go for two wingbacks who are both in their mid thirties, I'd be a little bit concerned. Especially with Doherty, uh presumably sticking around on the books and Royale mm. moving on. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I don't know. He, there's um. Regulon's fast, but I've been really underwhelmed by his ability to create separation from his man. Whereas Perisic is his his real outstanding attribute for me is his ability to create separation one way or another. Um, so he's absurdly two footed. He's on on the same tier as Sun for two footedness, and he's able to constantly threaten one foot in order to Cruyff turn back and use the other one, right? Oh, I'm going to shoot. Oh, no, it's a cross. Oh, I'm going to cross. Oh, no, it's a shot, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the Perisic method. And he can move off the belt ball smartly. Um, but but uh, and, and his delivery is good. So I think it's, it's, it's decent. It's not on the same level as um, we've been looking recently at, at Kostic and Sosa. Uh, it's not on that level of delivery, but it's good delivery. But again, his, his main attribute is that he can... Um, constantly come out on top of 1v1 situations with a yard of space to do whatever it is he wants to do, whether that's a cutback or a cross or a shot or something else. 
similarly, Nathan, to yeah. Kostic, who who we recorded a video about uh, yes. last night. So this is this is the interesting thing about Perisic. The the, the discussion from um, people like Alistair Gold, who you know has certainly has his ears to the ground, close to the club, he kind of knows yeah. the ins and outs at Spurs. Uh, discussion is that Perisic will work with Sessegnon to help develop him as a player. And also, I, I guess, allow Paris, um, on the time to have a regular rest. Um, but Spurs are also going to have two games a week for a lot of next season. Yeah. And they're going to be two high quality games a week. So we need, we need to bolster our options. There will be five substitutes allowed next season in the Premier League. We already know that Conte likes to substitute his wingbacks regularly. Mm-hmm. I think feasibly there will be enough minutes to go around for three wingbacks on either side. And so I'm or not a, five in total. Well, exactly that, or five in total. And mm. a, a while back, I spoke about Matt Doherty being able to cover both sides. But yeah, I'm um, I'm kind Paris, of. It seems like he may also be equipped for that, right? Yeah. Indeed, that's what I was about to say. I'm I'm kind of not against the idea of Perisic being able to do that. So you end up with Perisic, Sessegnon, and Kostic at left wing back, and then Doherty, Spence, possibly, probably, yeah. and and Perisic. And or Sessignon, who can play on the right as well, uh, on the, on the right. What do we think to this idea, Bardi? Five five wing backs, six wing backs, possibly. I quite like that, Wendy. Not going to lie, I think that's a good spread of of characters, abilities, age wise development. I think I like it. Do it, Wendy. Mm. Do, get it done, Wendy. <laughs> and Nathan <laughs> Kostic versus Ram. Let's let's quickly talk about the video you, okay, you made. So. I did this left wing. We've been doing this left wing back uh, scouting series video because I thought that it wouldn't come up until you know nearly September, and mm. now we're about to get a left wing back over the line. Um, so we we looked at my top two targets, who were Philip Kostic and Round. They played a match against each other a few weeks ago. We watched the whole match at one point five speed. Um, you were much more impressed with Kostic than Round. I was the uh, stand around and wait for opportunities to deliver in magnificently player versus the sort of more rounded uh, player. Yeah. Who's the stand yeah, around and wait for moments? Kostic. Yeah, he's so the only thing missing is that his socks aren't rolled down. He seems like he should be a socks rolled down kind of player. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind does, of doesn't. He? Yeah, he just kind of waits in the periphery of the game. He doesn't really get involved in defensive duels, and then when the ball comes near to him, he absolutely comes alive and he whips in fantastic ball after fantastic ball he takes set pieces from both sides he's a he's an x-factor player he's a really exciting player that i could i I could really see kind of adding something to spurs's squad round not a bad player at all Uh, i was i was quite impressed with him i mean he's on the video i mentioned that he reminded me of so i'm not going to spoil actually if you want to see the video which (laughs) is really good patreon.com forward slash the extra inch Sweet. Uh, and Nathan will be doing more scouting videos over the summer. It's kind of, it's the thing he does over the summer. We also did Sosa as well, who is sort of, I guess, kind of Kostic to an even great degree. Yeah. Um, uh, an even better crosser than Kostic, but an even worse defender mm. than Kostic. He, um, yeah. I guess. No athleticism. <laughs> no, not just, like negative athleticism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He is so stiff. It's 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 bizarre. But his delivery, what a left foot. Incredible. Really, really, really good. Um, Nathan, we were just talking before we started recording about the the outgoing business as well. I think a lot's been spoken about the amount of transfers that Conte wants in this summer. 
Yeah. Uh, and the, you know we've we've spoken about these positions across the last year. We all know what the positions are, and it seems like Conte pretty much agrees with with us. He's sort of prioritising the same sorts of the roles. Um, but there's so much business to do in terms of outgoing players as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, there are the more obvious ones. So you've got Ndombele and Lo Celso, um, and then probably Winks. Uh, Bergvine it's not that we like hate having him around but he's obviously should go somewhere where he's going to start and he will want to and there's a market for him um, I think Royale in a similar boat Regulon is going to command a bit of a fee we seem to assume um, did I mention Lucas already? No you got so Lucas I think we should definitely be looking to move if we can if there's a market for him at all Rodon similar situation Davinson maybe and then you're looking at players that you want to get out on loan like Tanganga Clark Parrot Saar back out again um, we've got to decide what we want to do with Brian Hill um, and there should be a sale for Cameron Carter Vickers I don't know how many that is in total 14 that's a, an insane amount already and you've not even mentioned some of the sort of the youth players um, who, sure. who you know although they shouldn't be they shouldn't take priority there's a few that need something to happen. You know, I'm talking about players like Austin and Whiteman, players who are now sort of approaching their mid twenties and, and haven't come through. You know, Whiteman's twenty four. He's nearly twenty. He's twenty three. He's nearly twenty three. He's nearly twenty four. Twenty four this this year. Um, he needs to move on for the good of his career, right? It's it's silly him just sitting as the third choice sub at Spurs. Um, well into his twenties. Same for Brandon Austin. Um, you know, other players like Toby and Mole, we don't know if, if Spurs fancy him, but I suspect not. I, I think he might leave. There'll be lots released from the academy. There's so much business to do. And there was an interesting question from uh, Che Lakin, who says, is there reason for homegrown player concern again? Delhi gone, Winks likely going, not many super young first teamers. Does Forster and other linked players such as Spence, Dembele, Bale cover us? So I had a, a very quick look into the homegrown player situation. Um, my initial feelings are that it should be fine in terms of the, the Premier League regulations. So the way the Premier League homegrown regulations work are that you can name a 25-man squad as long as eight of those players are homegrown players. Um, you can name a smaller squad, so 24 and only have seven homegrown, 23, 6, etc., yeah. etc., we, yeah, this is the thing with the question is that the phrasing is, do we have enough homegrown? And really, it's mm. more, do we have too many non-homegrown? Exactly. So think about the se- the 17 uh, foreign players, I guess, is the way to think about it. That's exactly it. That's exactly the right way around to think about it. Having said that, we have got a fair number of homegrown players still. So uh, quickly going down the list, Dotti, Davis, Kane, Roden, Carter Vickers, Whiteman, Austin, Tanganga, Amole. Sessignon from next year, Skip, Clark, Lyons, Foster and Lavinia would all qualify as homegrown. So if we wanted to pad out a bigger squad, we could absolutely do that if we wanted to. But of those, maybe you only perhaps want Doherty, Davis, Kane, Isn't Davis, Sessignon, Davis doesn't Skip. count as homegrown, no? Not in your way. So this is the other complication. He counts oh. in the Premier League, but he yeah. doesn't cope in the UEFA competitions. Is that the same for Dyer? Same for Dyer. Same for Dyer. It's a slightly different regulation in the um, Europa League. So they they split them further by association trained and club mm. trained because they want clubs to develop their own homegrown players 
and it's on that list the club trained player of which we'd have four in our squad that we might be struggling to to fill out our quota it doesn't matter it just means our we're restricted it just means we're restricted in our choices but because we're going to move on and not believe ourselves so lucas bergvine uh Regulon, <laughs> um, mm. that is opening spots for foreign players to come in. Absolutely, right? yeah. So I think the critical thing is to not have any fodder in the squad, to absolutely support Conte in his decision-making around who he will trust, who he will play, and who he's not interested in playing. If um, if we were going into this window with this many players to move on and Daniel Levy was our head of sales, <sighs> I would be really worried about moving on half of them. Um, I still think it's a hell of an ask to get like half-decent fees, uh, like especially in Dominion and Celso, uh, because they should... They should be worth a lot of money mm. and uh, their value has massively decreased. Um, but but it's clear what we've seen is that Paratici is, is going to accept losses, basically, on things that don't work out because keeping that turnover going and keeping your squad in good shape um, is, is worth more and generating that revenue through being in the Champions League, being a good club who are progressing is worth more than, than maximising returns on sales. Um, so, I mean, again, I, I don't imagine we'll get every single player off our books this window because it's just too many. But if we get most of them off, well, at least we, uh, we're in a good place. Yeah, it does make sense signing Bale as well because Bale counts as not only assimilation grown but club grown as well. And um, shouldn't Sessignon count as club grown as well at some point? So uh, I would need to check, but the, basically they have to have been at the club for... Um, God, was it three years, I think? Yeah, I think it's three. Three years between the ages of 15 and 21. Uh, uh, continuously or otherwise. So, you, uh, you know, a loan break doesn't matter. Uh, but it has to be three entire seasons. So, Cessignon... I think it might, just, maybe. Maybe. It's close with Cessignon. Mm. It'll be a close call. It's, uh, yeah, I'd need to I'd need to check. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think it's a problem, basically. I don't think we need to worry too much for the reasons that Nathan's identified. I think we're, I think we're pretty safe. I, I like Bardi. I'm very much in favour of re-signing Bale. I think that mm. would be a another X factor signing. I mean, yes, there's issues with his, his availability due to his age and fitness, but I think, I think next year is a big year for us, a really big year for us. It's, it's prime Conte time, you know, it's the, it's the time where we need to exploit what we possibly can. And if that means having a couple of players who are, they, they might not be around much, but when they do play, they absolutely change the game. Then I do it. I guess I was about to sort of say, well, whatever, but I've got this list. Um, and the description on the list is players who profile um, somewhere between Kane and Son so they both can rest, right? The idea being someone who can be a, a, a target in the box like Kane and someone who could do the running in behind like Son, right? And there's not a, a long list and a lot of them are expensive because you want a decent player, but then it's a player who's going to be second choice behind them and it's difficult, but... I don't know, I guess Bale can run in behind and he's kind of good in the air. And and unlike most of the players on that list, he can also hit the Harry Kane over the top ball. Hell yeah. All right, fine, mm. get him in. How old is he now, 70? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Bale, Perisic, Eriksen, Kostic. Let's get all the oldies in. Forster. The Tottenham Hotspur retirement. Huh? It, you know, short contracts. 
you know, as long as we don't stick them on three-year contracts, then I'm absolutely down with it. It's not a problem. Gives us a lot of work down the road, but, you know, what we've got a director of football for. Exactly. Exactly. And and to be honest, I think there's room to, to make signings for the future as well. Like, you know, we, we signed Saar last season and then we loaned him out. I think that is a smart way to go. Sign high potential young players and, and loan them out sure. get, them, get them out farm them out on loan like Chelsea do and uh, and Saar will be coming back to us a better player for that this summer it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how he fits in in pre-season I mean I think selling all those players is pretty ambitious I wouldn't be surprised if Lucas is still there next year yeah. and Winks is still there uh, Tanganga perhaps as well I think Winks is going to go um, just reading between the lines like he's he can't be happy uh, there's been a couple of interviews that have suggested that he needs to think about first team football. Um, I mean, obviously he's not going to make the the England squad at this stage, but you know he does need to play. He's in his mid twenties. He's got to play some regular football now. Um, do I want to say this? <laughs> okay, under a series of managers, now there it comes a point which is a few weeks after it's very clear that Winks isn't a first choice player. There's an article that appears somewhere about how Winks isn't being used, right? And it's been every manager until Conte because no one's going to print the why isn't Conte starting Winks article? Uh, and he needs, to, and, and hopefully that is him realizing also that like it's, it's him. It's not them. It's not, it's not everyone else that's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's that he just isn't quite at that level that we want him to be. And that's okay. He shouldn't take that too badly. It's okay to be a good Premier League mm-hmm. player and not a Champions League player. And and go to a, you know a, a mid table club and be their their start. Yeah, I agree. I think there's lots of teams that Winks would improve. He's not going to improve our team at this point. Just go and be loved elsewhere. Um, let's talk a little bit about the podcast plans over the summer. Uh, you tell us, boss. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the first thing to say is that you two were invited onto the overlap uh, yeah. last week. Uh, How did that come about, Bardi? Um, well, Flav got in touch to say that he's done it a few times and that he was unable uh, to attend and that they had expressed an interest in in, in us attending and, and bringing that kind of sensible soccer discussion to the table. <laughs> so, um, so Nathan and I said we'd be up for doing it and um, off we went up to Manchester and it was quite the experience. I looked at it as an opportunity to... To, to develop myself in a weird way that I've never done anything like this before. I've done a few kind of things on BBC, um, BBC radio, and I, I was curious to see how I'd get on. Yeah. And so, so, so off I went to Manchester. I'm not, uh, Nathan, what was, what was your um, driver behind doing it? Nice day out, isn't it? <laughs> it was a nice day out. <laughs> I do enjoy train travel. I really, I, I, I like traveling. I like commuting long distances because kind of get in your rhythm and you can have a little go on your laptop, play with a football manager and stuff. So, <laughs> and also it was a nice day out. And I, I, honestly, I thought I, I wanted to test myself in, in that situation under that kind of pressure. But my God, I didn't realize it would be quite like that. Mm. I, I stepped off the stage and it felt like I'd been in a job interview where I didn't know what I was talking about and <laughs> the stress and the pressure of trying to cope with people shouting at you the same word over and over again. And yeah, I, I had the horrors waiting for it to come out because I didn't know how it was going to get edited. I didn't know how I was going to look and I didn't know how I, if I dropped down to, to their level of, of football conversation that they were my big fears. I watched one as homework in advance and it was the most recent one and Ty wasn't on it. Mm. And so I thought, oh yeah, I can do that. 
I don't know, you um when you're there in person, and in fact, especially for me, because I was sat like two seats away from him, he was shouting, I couldn't really hear Bardi. So it seemed like he was just all of the sound um, really riles you up. And then I'm still riled up the next day. And then I edited that, that sort of video together. But now a few days has passed. And I think, I don't know, like the guy is clearly, uh, to an extent he's playing a character, but I think that character is just an exaggeration of himself. And I just feel a little... Uh, the, the, there are clearly reasons that he behaves the way he does, right? Yeah. Uh, and we're creating this situation around him. It's so annoying in person, right? Yeah. But the, uh, you know, whatever. It was, um, there was, as we were waiting to go on stage, they were setting the stage up and I was, oh, yeah. I was stood there with Robbie and I was talking to Robbie, who's a really nice guy. So when, he is lovely. When, when they told me, when Skybit told me that I'd be going on stage with Robbie, I was like, that's fine because he's, uh, yeah. he's a normal human being. And he's can, completely reasonable, isn't he? He's, he's just well, normal. I wouldn't say he's never going to change his stance, but then I wouldn't either. But you, you can have a conversation with 100%. him at least. So as I was waiting to go on stage, I, I was joking with him. I said, Look, I, you're very brave coming up here. I, I would have missed my train. And Ty kind of looks over to us and goes to Robbie, finish him. Don't <laughs> let him finish. Don't let him win. So immediately I had my back up. And immediately I was on the defensive and they, they played me because as soon as I went on stage, the first thing, the moment I had to say something, I went after them. Mm. And <laughs> that's what I felt. That's why I let myself down. What I could have done is waited and waited. But then the truth is, had I waited, they would have just gone after me anyway. Yeah, so it wasn't like I missed an opportunity. Their, their whole tactic is disruption, chaos, fling as much shit. You don't have to prove, all they have to do is disprove your theory. They don't, you don't, they don't have to prove theirs. So the way they do that is by shouting trophies. You haven't won anything, so you can't talk to us. And that is just, they disprove your theory about what a monumental season we had and the significance of it and everything else. They disprove it by, sh- by shouting we didn't win anything, even though we're not talking about that in this context. And um, it's frustrating, and he's a lunatic, but he there's everybody's talking about Ty. Everybody's watching that to, to see yep. Ty, and that's why they do it. There's a million views now on it. And ev- pretty much every single comment, the comments, yeah, is yeah. Ty. I went looking for a few about me, and I got I stopped <laughs> because you should never do that on YouTube. Um, <laughs> but they're all about Ty, and that's what happens. That's what they want. He seemed pretty normal before recording. He turned up in a long black puffer jacket, black baseball cap, and everything else. And then just be- and he was actually chit chit chatting with Neville and Carragher. And then just before we started recording, on came all the Arsenal clubber. It changes into costume, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. You wouldn't get me on there, boys. It's uh, it's not an environment that I would flourish in. I was I was very happy to leave it to you two. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely no way, uh, Bardi. I, I was very proud of you. I thought you 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 stayed calm under pressure. You, I mean, like you said, you did go out fighting, and I complete. Now you've explained. I completely understand why because they riled you up at the start for you yeah. to do that. They kind of suck suckered you in. But having done that. They, it was incessant. The noise that was coming from off stage was incessant, and you kept your calm so well. They cut loads out as well because there was one point. Yeah. That I asked him, would he swap his, um, would he swap his one FA Cup under Arteta for finishing top four this season, having Conte in charge? And he didn't answer me. He just kept shouting trophies. And then I think Gary Neville or Carragher then said to Ty, Ty, answer the question. And then Ty just yeah. started shouting match fixer he says he wouldn't have Antonio Conte because of the alleged match fixing and then (laughs) Neville had to say look it's alleged you can't say stuff like that and for about five minutes everything was match fixing match fixing that's oh my goodness he changed from trophies to that 
And then um, afterwards, I sat down next to Robbie for the rest of the thing. And, you know, he didn't offer me a chewing gum. And um, <laughs> they, they gave me fizzy water, man. I, there's a couple of clips of me drinking that water. And I had to drink because I was so thirsty. And it was fizzy water. And that's what the devil drinks. I hate that stuff. <laughs> but I had to drink it. And then I was desperate for a chewing gum. And then Trobby, Trobby, uh, Robbie pulls out a chewing gum. And I'm like, oh, I'd have one of those. And he just completely just didn't offer me one. So then um, as that was happening, the, the news about the 150 million pound war chest hit. And I checked mm. my phone and I showed it to Robbie and he, he just turned away in disgust. He couldn't believe it. <laughs> well done to you both. Um, I mean, that's, it's, I, I don't know if going on those things is something we want to repeat, to be honest. It's, it's, uh, it's not very extra inch. <laughs> it's not very extra inch. It doesn't fit, it doesn't fit the ethos really. I think, um, if we, if we find out when Ty isn't, and isn't going to be on, it, it might be a bit more, yeah. a bit more us. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um, as I said, I have no interest in doing it. So you guys crack on. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy recording in my own home. <laughs> I, to be fair, I don't mind hosting our live shows. That's that's going to be fine. I can I can deal with that. Uh, it's a you know it's it's a it's a home crowd as it were. <laughs> I, I do have to say, having a conversation with Gary Neville about Antonio Conte, just him looking at me and I'm talking to him straight into his eye, having a conversation with him about Conte will go down as like top ten really good best moments of my life because it, oh, it's nice. He Gary Neville's is decent man. I, I like this Gary good. Neville. I know you're a fan of him as well, and just that opportunity to kind of chat with him was really nice. Um, and finally, before we, we move on, it has been funny. People sending me clips about Robbie still talking about me. Doesn't know who I am, <laughs> but on every podcast he's been on since, he's talked about that Spurs fan that was going after him. And it's nice to know I'm living. I'm still living in his head. And he'll no doubt reference the chewing gum at some point in the future. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, what else is going on, Buddy? You're you've you've uh, you've secured some some articles for the newsletter yeah the newsletter is written we got three really nice articles um we got one from ewan flynn who's written for us a few times now his love about ewan. the the gaza documentary about the gaza the personality and how he's been taken over by abused by the media there's a really nice one about no one likes us it's um dan has written for us for the first time spurs came out fourth in the most hated fans in um in england and he talks about why for a club that doesn't win anything why we why do we upset fans so much why do we upset other clubs so much and there is a final article from it, there was a final article on it's all about goals from paul so talking about the impact of goals and is there a trend in obviously in scoring more goals winning you more games and winning you the league and how city and liverpool have just kind of blown everyone else away by mm. just scoring goals which is it's a very easy very simple thing to think you score goals win games but how that pattern has happened over the last 10 years um yeah so there's some nice pieces coming Keep an eye out. That'll be with you today or tomorrow, depending when you're listening. And sometimes Substack might go into like your promotions or social feed on Gmail. So just keep an eye out for it. If you're an ex-sub, you'll be receiving that. Nice. Uh, one other thing for ex-subs, um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a, a drink in London. Uh, it's all been arranged. If you are an ex-sub and you don't know about this and you want to attend, uh, drop us a DM on Patreon and, uh, and we'll send you the details. Um, what other Patreon content's coming up, Nathan? 
players, I will tell you about the players. <laughs> There'll be lots of players. So as players are linked, it, you're going to react. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know. The thing is that like this summer, the Paratici style is to uh, negotiate with everyone, leak all of the negotiations. So we're linked to about 100 players at the moment, which is pretty difficult to do videos over. But I think I will do sort of fairly quick turnarounds after signings. Um do I just drop the left wing back series for now? I guess so. Mm, I think that's probably just, wise. Oh, okay, all right. So I'll probably do a Perisic thing next, I guess. Nice. And then, um, can we do a, a Bastoni versus oh, a, yeah. a player I'd never heard of before, Levi Colwell, who scored an own goal and didn't get his club into uh, the Premier League? Buddy. Bastoni versus Benoit Badiashili is the is the, compo- is the comparison there. Buddy's taking shots at Harry Brooks, which is... Uh... <laughs> okay, all right, fine. I'm, I love you. I love you, Harry. I love you, Harry. Um... <laughs> Uh, let's do some questions before we sign off. Uh, this one, this one's been hanging around for a while. But we've not got around to it. Is a is a nice question from um, Julian De Bono, who says we have a construction company in Melbourne called Kane K A N E, and it always makes my day when I see sign- their signage up around town. I walk down a whole laneway of these bad boys and Spurs colours right after watching the boys dismantle Newcastle. It felt like some sort of sign from above. Regarding Kane, what do you think would happen? Would need to happen for Kane to commit to Spurs long term? Is there any chance this might happen, or do we just cherish him while we have him? Talking about um, Kane signs, in Hawaiian, Kane means man. So if you ever go mm. to um, a Hawaiian-themed burger joint, there used to be one in, in um, Soho. Kane is, means men's toilet, which um, always always amused me. Uh, but I think in terms of keeping Kane long-term, I think, I think it's... There's no, there's no risk of him leaving now. I think he's here with us at least until the end of his contract. He, he may take a look around and see what other people have done um, in terms of moving on a free transfer. So I think we've got him next year for sure. And then he'll, he'll see where we go from there. We won't get money from him now, which is a shame if you think about it. If he, if he decides to leave, perhaps we should have cashed in. But I think long term, the goals he gave us this year and the goals we'll give, he'll give us next year might be worth more. But um, I think he'll definitely play it by ear now. New contract in December when we're level on points at the top. Maybe. I think he signs a new contract this summer. Hmm. So I think the only danger now to Kane being a one-club man is the possibility of him moving to the States to finish his career. Uh, And I think that has been... um, I think it's been hinted at for a while. He's obsessed with NFL. Uh, he also went on an American chat show in the past week. He he has a lot of interest in American culture, and I I could definitely see him taking his family over there at some point. Alas, David Beckham. Um, so that that's the only thing I'm concerned about. I don't think he's going to get signed by a a air quotes bigger club right now. He is going to be too good for MLS when he's 35 I think he because he's still just going to be able to hang it sorry sorry MLS fans he's still like when he loses all of his pace like we've seen the no ankles era Harry Kane right Mm. that's still a incredible player if he just hangs around pinging the ball about I think that he he still demands like top five league football um so it's I think he's a long way off going to MLS with respect to, you know, yeah. 
the Chicago Fireheads out there. <laughs> yeah, and with respect to the MLS, Kane finishing his career in, in America, I don't know if that diminishes his one clubness because it's not like he's moved to another top division or top club. It's mm-hmm. no different to being on loan at Norwich. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, Harry Tateson-Stoke says, thinking about our centre-half options, Romero Dyer will be starters next season. Davis to back up a new left side centre-back. Sanchez and Tanganga are then the other natural centre-backs of the club. Is it crazy if we can get decent money for Emerson to perhaps, if we cut, sorry, if we can't get decent money for Emerson to perhaps use him as an option to cover Romero on the right of the three when Romero is suspended or if he has to cover Dyer at any point? Emerson looks bad in the ball for a wing-back, but surely an upgrade in that sense on Davinson Sanchez, and he always does seem very solid defensively. I've seen this mentioned before, the, the idea of yeah. Emerson Royale um, switching to right centre-back in our system. Any thoughts on this? Um, I can understand where that's coming from, definitely. But also, um, we should only plan around it if we'd already seen it. We haven't seen it. And there are opportunities for us to have seen it, and we haven't done so. I don't think it's in Conte's plans, so... I don't think so. Um, while we're talking about centre backs, we we'll talk about Bastoni for a moment. I mentioned Badi Shuli, and the reason I mentioned him is because um, I've been thinking of tweeting this. I couldn't quite find the right the right wording. Um, we have been linked to a bunch of left centre backs, right? Um, and they've profiled quite differently. They're all been left footed, right? Oh, except for uh, Bremer. Um, but some of them really profile more as a central role. Most of them profile as, as the wide role, right? Um, Bastoni. He has played left-sided centre-back in a three uh, a lot and under Conte. Um, therefore, he can play that role, right? But he also um, defensively profiles, and I think he definitely could play as a central centre-back, which is why I think spends the money, right? Get him in. Like if we're talking 60 to 80 million, there's a figure in there that, that is right for us, I believe, um, because he can cover both those roles. And I think that, yes, you know, we want to, you know... Um, make Davies a squad player again, but we're also um, like an injury away to Eric Dyer for being in a bit of trouble. Romero covered the central role well, but I still don't think that's where we want to be. Um, so for that reason, Bastoni makes so much sense. And then Badi Ishili is the other player in the market who is the same, can cover both of those roles really well. Um, and I don't really know who else. So um, yeah, I'm kind of all in Bastoni at the moment. Yeah, I like that. The fact that, you know, spend the money because he's basically two players. And um, Inter looks set to sign Bremer in the next few hours or so. So uh, I, I think it's, ah. I think the door is open for that now. Bremer, if they can sell Bastoni for 50 million, that's a lot of money for them. And they'll replace him with a, a very good defender as well. Not homegrown or Italian or as young, but they'll replace him with Bremer. So it's a it's a kind of win-win situation for Inter, I think. Mm. And they have a left centre-back in the academy that came up in my left wing-back scouting because he's played a little bit of left wing back as well. Um, Bremer's a weird one uh, <laughs> for that role. So the uh, the thing with me saying Bersoni can play the central role, like he's always played on the left foot into because their other two starting centre-backs are right-footers, right? So mm. I think that if there was another left-footer at the club who was starting quality, and I think that will be soon, um, then he would have played more games in the middle, whereas he's going to come to Spurs and there's going to be Davies on the books. Um Bremer is right-footed and has played on the left but looked really uncomfortable. So I'm not really sure what they're thinking there, but that, that doesn't matter too much to us. I mean, Bastoni's mm. fabulous on the ball. He will stride into midfield, kind of Romero. He's yeah. not as uh, aggressive as Romero, but he's no just as comfortable striding along with the ball, hitting crossfield passes. He's um, He reminds me of a younger Chiellini, but a 
not as gangly and not as not as kind of awkward looking. He's fast mover. He's he's got that kind of natural kind of head up ability. He's a he's a beautiful, elegant defender in the kind of mold of old school Italian nineties defenders. He, he's a lovely, lovely player. And mm. he's twenty three years old. Yeah. yeah, perfect age as well. This is yep. this is it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think going after Bastoni makes complete and utter sense. I'm really excited about that one. I do think if we were to sell Sanchez, that we would pro- probably need a. A right-sided player as well. Obviously, that's easier to find. You know, they're just simply more right-footed centre-backs, so it's it's less hard of a job. Um, I'm not against the idea of of Emerson Royale playing right centre-back for us, but I do think he's one of those players that's fairly easy to sell at a high value. He's you know he, he's rated elsewhere, um, Still and, and we're going to upgrade him. So it, it makes sense, I think, to part ways with him. Although I he's really uh, he, he's come on he's come on leaps and bounds as the season's gone on. And I've warmed to him as a person as well. I, I, I sort of see him as a little bit of a cult hero right now mm. with, his, <laughs> with his comps. Yeah. Um, I waited all my life for, for an Italian, a good Italian to come to Spurs. And I'm really excited and pumped about having Bastoni and Conte at the same time. Nice. Um, I think what we're going to do is is leave it there because we've got... So over the past few weeks, we've had a massive, massive reaction to the discussion about hair loss uh when i say massive reaction like unprecedented number of emails tweets dms it seems to have affected a lot of people so i wanted to to do a bit of an addendum to the pod to uh read out some of those emails which i think are really insightful and then uh if you can if you can last it out there might be a little something extra at the end um just before i do that just to remind you to to support our partners, 1882 Fanzine. So you, you can buy the fanzine at 1882fanzine.com and follow them on Twitter at 1882fanzine uh, for, for updates about future um, editions that will come out. First up, this email is from Adam. Adam says... I have tried for several years to play down my anxiety over people's perceptions of male baldness and have talked with my wife extensively on the subject in an attempt to build up my self-esteem and get over other people's opinions. It didn't quite work, so I decided to shave my head and see what I thought. As you've said, Wendy, from your own experience, it is very liberating, and the reaction has been largely positive. Despite this, I still don't feel like me, and being in the very fortunate position of financially to afford a hair transplant, I did just that three weeks ago in Harley Street. I have to say my experience was fantastic and I would wholeheartedly recommend people look into the treatment and not fear the procedure itself, which was surprisingly relaxing. Time will tell if it is successful, of course. I think it's really important that people do try and overcome their lack of self-esteem and not to worry about what others think. However, we are human and I think if you've been anxious about your baldness for a number of years and you consider it a key part of your identity, a hair transplant can be a great solution if you have the money. The cost is much more affordable in the UK nowadays, £4,000 to do the whole top of my head. And with financing available, I think we will see a surge in treatments going forward. Men's anxiety on the topic should not be underestimated, and I think we should support those who, after years of anguish, decide to take action. This is from Mark Bird. Mark writes, Anyway, I know you covered the hair loss thing extensively, but I just wanted to add my own experience as someone who started losing my hair in my early 20s. I'm now 43. At first I found it fairly traumatic as someone who'd had longish hair for most of my teens, I found it hard to take. I battled with things like thickening shampoo and wax and various different styles to no avail. Fast forward 20 years and I've never been more comfortable with the way I look. You just have to face it, being a Spurs fan is not is just not really conducive to keeping your hair. 
Me and my kids often look back at old photos and joke about just how bad I looked when I simply wouldn't accept my baldness. My advice with 20 years of being bald under my belt is to embrace it and find a way, find a look that works for you and you won't look back. I decided to grow a beard, which I think works well for many bald men, and based on the aforementioned photos from before we met, my wife has told me that under no circumstances is the beard to be shaved off. Jason writes, uh, A few years ago I was going very thin on top and decided to go about getting a spray to cover it up. I was very conscious about it, but just couldn't bear to shave it all off. I did some digging around, I went for a London-based company, and to be honest, it blended in quite well. But I was always nervous when it began to rain or I was playing football and heading the ball as it would often leave a black mark. Then, after reading about a hair system, I went along to a firm in London to talk about it. They put me at ease, and parting with £700, I booked myself in. A few weeks later, I got it done, and boom, I had hair. Whilst that was great, it was obvious, like the last email said, to family and friends at work. However, this happened just a few short weeks before lockdown, and so problem solved. Or was it? Lockdown lasted for as long as it did, and these hair systems aren't supposed to last that long. Plus, it's expensive, and I was trying to save for a house. Anyway, I looked after it well, but similar to the spray, I was always dubious about heading the ball when playing football. In fact, one day during a friendly kick around after work, the front part flipped up briefly and I felt so embarrassed. I was facing away as I headed the ball out for a throw, which meant no one saw it, but I was devastated. I faked injury and came off. I decided that I had to take some kind of action. But saying I had to do something and actually doing it are two entirely different things. Every time I thought about it, I'd get close to tears. I spoke to my girlfriend about it, who didn't know about any of this, and she was extremely supportive. Anyway, long story short, I had to have a few months of counselling, and that really helped. I realised that no one, no one would be staring at me, and as things got easier to talk about and imagine, I set a date. I work as a teacher, so I was able to have it done during a two-week half-term, which then gave me a period of time to get used to it. I also had it done in a small hairdresser's with a caring barber. I'd done a recce of a cup for a couple of weeks beforehand, but in a fairly large town, meaning I had to walk from the shop back to my car. This actually helped. No one laughed, no one pointed, no one cared. Back at work, sure, I got a few comments from some of the students, but honestly, it lasted barely more than a day or two and then it stopped. I play football twice a week and similarly, there were some light jokes, but nothing mean. And again, that lasted for the warm up and then it stopped. Honestly, I feel like a weight has lifted. Don't get me wrong, I'd love hair again, but that's not happening. I've embraced that and now I actually feel confident going out. We're all different though, and it affects us in different ways, but I just wanted to send a positive email through to say that things do get better and you're not on your own. This is from Peter Hamilton. By my mid-twenties, my hair was thinning to such an extent that I bit the bullet and shaved it off. Number two grade all over. All the comments I received were positive and encouraging, and I have never looked back. Having lived through it myself, I know firsthand the anxiety caused by hair loss and the self-confidence reclaimed by owning it. I think growing a beard, if you're able to, helps a lot to balance the look, although I have only done this in the last few years. This is from an anonymous writer. I have been using hair fibres, so they're fibres which you sprinkle on the thinning parts of your hair which attach to the existing hair to make it seem like you have more hair. Uh, you then spray it to make sure it stays in place. Uh, for the last six years to hide my hair loss. I'm not sure who knows that I use them. I pretend people don't, but I think some people must know. Like the email you read out, I resonate with the feelings of the sender in relation to swimming. I also have young children, and when one of them started playing with my hair the other day, I found myself getting angry because I was worried about them ruining my hair, which made me feel awful. During lockdown, it was liberating not seeing friends and family and having to put hair fibres in every day. Plus, it saved a lot of money. There are times when I go out now with people and worry that it will rain and my secret will be revealed, which impacts on my social life.
This is from Thaden. Thaden says, I wanted to contact you in relation to the recent hair loss discussions, having been genuinely saddened by the man who had spent a fortune on hair loss treatments and hair systems. I would sincerely suggest to anyone struggling with hair loss to investigate therapy rather than preventative and masking options. The clear distress that he and so many others suffer from is rooted in more than just follicles. Please excuse the pun. I was lucky that my father, who lost his hair relatively young, continually taunted me with reminders that mine wouldn't stick around. And he was right. But I also didn't have to suffer the pain of noticeably losing it in my 20s, having had a hair, high hairline since my youth. Everyone, male or female, binary or non-binary, is more than their appearance. Your value as a person is more than how you look. I wasted a very long time being consumed with self-loathing over my appearance when I was young. I've spent my life sacrificing my own feelings for the sake of others. Self-worth and self-love are essential for self-preservation. You cannot thrive without them. So please take some time to find a therapist, to find the right one for you, someone who can not only help you understand why these things seem so important to you, but also to help you see that you are loved without them and that you can and should love yourself. And finally, this is from Wisest of the Wise. Been listening for a few years now and have loved the recent talks about balding. I started going bald at 20 and was extremely embarrassed by it. I finally got the courage at 25 to buzz it all off and I felt so free. Wouldn't you know, I met my wife of 12 years literally two days after buzzing it. But it's so true about wanting to go closer and closer. I've been razor shaving, razor shaving it for about 10 years now and it's so much easier. Just wake up and shave it in the shower like you're washing your hair. I'm probably going to even have it laser removed soon. And trust me, loads of women love bald men. You'll have no problems. Thank you all so much for sharing your experiences. It's really appreciated. And I think we all need to take special notes of the email from Thaden about, about loving yourself. So if you've made it this far, here's a little extra treat. Um, I used to write some poetry. I, I found it really enjoyable and quite, kind of therapeutic, to be honest. I think I might have even read one out on the podcast back in the day, several years ago. Um, but all of the, the emails and the tweets and the DMs we've had about the topic of hair loss have kind of inspired me to reflect a little bit more on my own experience and to write something down. So um, this is the first draft of a poem. And I say first draft because it's pretty rough and ready, so apologies for that. Uh, let's call this bald. <laughs> for a decade near, I've been losing the only part of myself with which I was quite happy. Put like that, bluntly, it's easy to understand why, looking back, it's been traumatic. Yeah, pretty crappy. At first I convinced myself that I wasn't losing my hair. I don't know why, but I was adamant that it couldn't be me. I was already deficient in some vitamins, so I thought maybe that was it. I upped my zinc, my B12, and my C. There was no improvement, so I booked in to see someone who specialised in the loss of hair. She asked me to get some blood tests done in advance, so I called my local health centre and booked in to sit in the doctor's chair. I felt a fraud going in with my fairly full head of hair, the raised eyebrow when I explained my visit. My thought process was kinda, all these people with genuine illnesses in the waiting room. So why are you here? Vanity, is it? I got my papers and pots and off I went to get my bloods taken, hoping that they'd show a lack of something. The results came back and I couldn't quite interpret them, but that was knowledge the specialist could bring. So I turned up at her house, she took me through to her garden office, not gonna lie, it was weird. There was a smell of incense in the air and she was playing panpipe covers of pop songs. My faith disappeared. She was an ethereal lady who spoke with a whisper and was overly sincere. What brings you here? She asked. I explained that I'd been dealing with some stress, that my partner had been unwell, that I'd lost some hair. I felt a little unmasked. 
She told me to lay back in a comfortable chair and she examined my head and my hair for what felt like too long. She left me to go and look at my blood results and told me to relax with the music and to come through to the other room at the end of the song. You have deficiencies in this, that and the other, she proclaimed before saying the words that I'd paid all that money to not hear. You show all the signs of having male pattern baldness. She didn't mince her words, they were clear. But you still have a good head of hair right now and I can recommend some supplements to keep it that way. But I decided against taking her up on that offer. I couldn't justify the type of money she was asking me to pay. So the years passed and my crown thinned. I hated the rain and the wind. I hated bright lights. I hated my reflection. I hated photos taken from the wrong angle, particularly from above or behind. It was time for some introspection. I wanted to take action, to move towards the big shave, so I had it cut shorter and shorter to begin to prepare myself and other folk. But my partner said it looked like they'd scalped me. That was pretty hard to hear, and at that point my self-esteem was smoked. She suggested that I considered transplants, or minoxidil, or serums, or anything to keep my hair. But that wasn't what I needed. What I'd longed to hear was, don't worry, here suit bald or otherwise, I'll still be there. It was only when we split that I realised that I actually could be me. I could take back control of my borders. I'm so sorry. So I had a brave moment, walked into a barber's, and before I changed my mind, I gave the guy my order. I've been losing it, and it's time. Please shave my head short, I said. And he looked at me, lingering, and said, Are you sure? I appreciated that. But I was. I finally felt like I didn't need to hide behind anything anymore. I was going bald, and that was me, and starting to actually like myself again would begin with accepting that. And you know what? If I didn't like it, I could just add to my modest collection of hats. A month on, and I sometimes catch myself in a reflection and notice how much the light shines off my dome. And every morning when I'm gathering my things to take to work, I look at my little wooden comb. And for a fleeting moment, it still doesn't feel like me, at least the me I've known for years. But each day that feeling fades. I've begun to really dig the look, you know, I've not been wearing hats barely at all, and I've since moved down the grades. The barber who did the original shave gave me a one. It felt super short of a time, but I've since moved to basically nothing but skin. It's quick, it's easy, sure it's exposing, and sure, I've got more face to moisturise now, but I can take that on the chin. It's not going to be for everyone, and I urge you to talk, to talk about it with friends, family, or to even consider a therapist. To work out what's really the right path for you, there are lots of options, and ultimately, you're going to know best. But don't let yourself suffer like I allowed myself to do. The impact on your self-esteem is all-encompassing. I'm not going to pretend that it's gone from 0 to 100 for me, that would be the wrong message to be trumpeting. But I feel good. I feel okay. I feel happy. I don't fear the wind or a brief downpour. And my lesson learned is that I need to worry less about how I look and learn to just love myself more. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, E. Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.